It's the Monday Wrap with my dad, Pastor Mark. Well, hello everyone, it's Pastor Mark, and you're joining me on the Monday Wrap for Sunday, August 8th. 2021, uh, where we looked at Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 in a message I entitled, The Two-Part Lesson of Obedience. And you'll remember what I said there was that uh, when it comes to God, when it comes to our faith, we we find it very difficult to obey God sometimes. And we said there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, First of all, we don't see God face to face today. We experience God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a I mean, certainly God is with us. He's present. But we don't have a tangible relationship with God uh, like uh, the first century believers did with Jesus walking the earth and like the Old Testament believers had with uh, the presence of God in the tabernacle and temple, you know, uh, cloud by day, uh, uh, fire by night. And so when the cat's away, the, the mice will play, right? Uh, since we don't have that tangible face-to-face relationship, sometimes we find it's easier to disobey God. Uh, also, God doesn't immediately smite us or discipline us typically when we disobey. And we might suffer consequences, but God's not right there with lightning bolts to strike us down every time we disobey. And sometimes, therefore, we you know, we let our guard down. We, we also, disobedience feels good sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, when we sin, sin can feel good. And so oftentimes we'll be disobedient because in the moment anyway, it feels good. You know? We'll suffer consequences down the road, maybe. But in the moment, yeah, it feels good. And then I think sometimes we think, well, I'll go ahead and disobey now because I can just repent uh, later. But whatever the reasons for our disobedience towards God, disobedience is a big deal today. And it's been a big deal for a long time. Adam and Eve, Satan, uh, Achan uh, in the new in the Old Testament where he took the precious metal from Jericho. Uh, Noah got drunk, Uh, Jonah ran from God, Judas sold out Jesus, Um, uh, the judges period, if you'll remember that, oftentimes it said the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. I mean, it's hundreds of examples, literally, of people in the Bible who were disobedient. So this is nothing new. And today we're just as disobedient, aren't we? Um, And it's part of who we are. It's a part of our fallen nature. Unfortunately, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. But then we come to Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, and, and, and there it reads, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And I concentrated on verse 12 there. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Because verse 12 really gives us a formula for obedience, a two-part lesson for obedience. If we want to be obedient, what do we need to do? And if you'll remember, what we talked about is number one, the verse says now go. So sub-lesson one is go. Going is a big part, even the most critical part of obedience. I mean, think about it practically. If you don't do something, if you don't get going after God engages you with a command or a call on your life, then how can you be obedient? We see it in the Old Testament because when the people uh, were called upon by God to do something, they did it. For example, Isaiah, whom shall I send? 
God says, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me, Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah was ready to engage. He was ready to go. He was ready to get out there and do the work that God had called him to do. The disciples, the same thing. When Jesus called them by the seashore and said, follow me, what did it say? It says they immediately left their boats and followed him, Matthew 4, 22. The paralyzed man, Jesus said, get up, take your mat and walk. And what's it say he did in Mark 2, verse 12? He got up, took his mat, and walked. And the Ethiopian, what he said, he asked, Philip, what can stand in the way of my being baptized in Acts 8, verse 36? And, and Philip responded, well, if you truly believe, then nothing stands in your way. And they immediately went down and got baptized. You see, there's a spirit of going in the Bible. When God calls the faithful people of God, go. There's no paralysis by analysis, as I talked about on Sunday morning. God cannot use the spiritually paralyzed, can he? He can only use us when we engage our spiritual legs and go. So that's the first part of verse 12. It says, now go. The second part uh, of verse 12 says, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So the second sub-lesson is God will provide. If we go, first sub-lesson, second sub-lesson, God will provide. Uh, in the Old Testament, God is known as Jehovah Jireh. In Genesis 22, verse 14, uh, the words Jehovah Jireh are used to describe God's provision of the ram in the thicket when God provided a substitutionary sacrifice for Abraham. God was also a great provider for the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings as he brought manna from the sky, when he provided judges and prophets for the people, when he gave Aaron to Moses, when he parted the Red Sea, when he provided Rahab to hide, to hide the spies, when he toppled the walls of Jericho, when he provided the angels to guide the shepherds to Bethlehem, when the angels released Peter from prison, and of course when God sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross for our sins. I told the story of provision in my own life, and I know you all have stories of God's provision, examples of Jehovah Jireh in your life. But digging a little deeper into the second half of this verse, verse 12, I want you to look at what God tells Moses he's going to provide him. He says some very specific things. First of all, he says, number one, I will equip you with the skills you need. Look at what he says. Uh, he says, uh, I will help you speak. I will give you the skills you need, the ability to speak well. And then God also says, number two, that he will equip Moses with the knowledge he needs. He says, I will teach you what to say. Isn't that amazing? God says to Moses, listen, follow me. Let's go. And I will provide for you. I will provide for you the skills you need to succeed. And I will provide for you the knowledge you need to succeed. Now, this passage is specific to Moses. When God provides for us, he's going to provide for us based on our different circumstances, right? Our different fears, our different weaknesses, our failures, our hangups, our deficiencies, whatever. But the provision will be there and it will probably involve some type of skill, some ability or resource we need, and some type of knowledge, something we need to know in order to use the ability or resource well. In the business world, they talk about KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities. When you fill out an application, you have to note your knowledge, skills, and abilities for the job you're applying for. And, and, and really, that's what God's talking about here. He's like, he's like listen, uh, if you follow me, if you're obedient to me, I will give you the knowledge, skills, and abilities you need to become the earth-shaking, sin-breaking disciple I need you to be. 
But here's the thing, folks, and I've already alluded to this, but this is the key, right? So I'm getting ready to give you the key to what God is saying in this verse, I believe. And it's this. God doesn't typically provide until we first go. In other words, obedience precedes provision. Again, I've alluded to this already, but I want to make this point clear and I want to drive it home. Obedience precedes provision. It's something that I like to call the go principle. We've got to go first and then God will provide for us. Look at the order here. The passage says, now go. And then it says, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. You know, I looked at all the English translations I could find uh, on Exodus 4, verse 12. And every translation I found had this same order. Some were connected by a conjunction, like the word and, and some were presented uh, in two clauses as separate sentences. But all of the translations that I found put them in the same order. First, go, and secondly, God will provide what you need. In fact, one of the translations, the Message Bible, I think put it perfectly. It said this, so get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. Look at that. Get going. Then God will be right there. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? God says, if you get going, if you engage your spiritual legs, then I'll be right there with you to walk with you and get this done. And this go principle, this idea of going first and then and then knowing that God will provide, having confidence that God will provide, this is all over the Bible. There are examples of the go principle everywhere you turn. Noah, for example, built the ark first. Then he and his family were saved from the flood. He went first. He, he, he hit the go button first. Then God provided. Moses accepted God's call first. Then God provided the means and opportunities to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery. Abraham made preparations to sacrifice his son Isaac first. Then God provided the substitutionary ram. The thief on the cross demonstrated his belief in Christ first. Then Jesus made him the promise of future paradise. Andrew went and found the fishes and loaves first. Then Jesus fed the 5,000. And Paul accepted God's call first, just like Moses did. Then God used him to spread the gospel to Asia Minor and Europe, as well as pen some of the most important books of the New Testament. You know, as human beings, we like to plan things out to the nth degree, to have all of our ducks in a row, and generally to do everything we can to comfort ourselves and eliminate the risk of failure in life. But God calls us not to have all of the answers all of the time, not to seek control, but to go and let him provide. This is a consistent theme of the Bible, and it's something we need to learn as his children. If we're going to see God's hand move in our church and in our lives, we must be willing to go, even when things are not always spelled out clearly for us, even when things look dangerous and scary, even when we have, uh, may have to sacrifice something like our comfort or our control, even when we're not assured of success. God wants our obedience. He wants us to go so he can provide what we need to do his work. And you know, all this makes sense. Because if we always rely on ourselves, why do we need God? But if we just follow and let him provide the skills and knowledge and resources we need to do what he's called us to do, we'll see his mighty, almighty hand at work and thus we'll grow closer to him in trust and loyalty and love. The two-part lesson of obedience, as I said on Sundays, 
is simple. You go first and let God provide second. Where are you in that equation or in that spectrum? Are you like most people today where you look for God to provide everything first and then you promise, you promise that you'll go? But what kind of faith is that? I mean, if God gives me everything I need before I go, then of course I'll go. But what kind of faith does it take to do it the other way around? What kind of faith does it take to go and then allow God to provide? Well, that takes true faith, my friends. That takes the faith of Hebrews 11 verse 1 where it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Folks, my challenge to us this week is to listen to God. If he's telling you to go, go. Don't don't try to square off all the corners, dot all the I's and cross all the T's before you go. Just go and let God provide for you. I told you, both services in church on Sunday, then I'm going to do a prayer walk around our community on Monday. I'm going to do it for a big part of the day, and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for our church. I'm going to pray for our community. I'm going to pray for our nation. Uh, I'm going to pray for individual houses. I just want people to feel and experience the presence of God in our community, and it starts, we all know, with prayer. And so I'm going to do a prayer walk. The reason I'm doing it is God told me to do it. So I'm going to apply the go principle to my life. I'm going to go and see what God does. I challenge you to, uh, to be a part of that prayer walk in a small way. As I said, uh, maybe you can uh, walk down your driveway and pray. Maybe you can walk around your house and pray. Maybe you can walk up and down the steps of your house and pray. Maybe you can walk around your neighborhood, just do a short walk around your neighborhood and pray. Maybe you do a longer walk around your neighborhood and pray. Whatever you want to do is fine with me, but I challenge you as an application for our message to get out there and let's pray. Let's go. Let's just step out and do something bold. Let's pray for our community and see what God does. Well, I hope this episode of the Monday Wrap has been helpful. I hope I've summarized things well. And I look forward to next Sunday when we'll dig into God's Word a little deeper and see what it has for us. All right. God bless and have a great week. Join us next week for the Monday Wrap with my dad.